0: Hello listeners, this episode was recorded on Wednesday afternoon in a TV studio as part of a separate project. We're all sweating buckets under the lights and I think we prefer the comfort of the radio studio. We'll be back in our usual format next week. Enjoy. Here comes Alan Shearer, it's Shearer for New oh, The way he brought that down
1: was fabulous. Captain Oh!
0: Like this. Hello and welcome to a very special episode 11 of series 2 of the Shooting Zars podcast. I'm Stuart Marshall and with me as always, but this time in a TV studio is Bryce Conway and Alex Grant. How are we guys? You have been in a TV
2: studio before? Hey Stu. Yeah, I've been over one in uh, Sydney and Melbourne with Fox Sports, but yeah, not quite like this big. What about you Bryce? Yeah, no, semi-professional footballers don't get that treatment, so
0: yeah, still waiting for the call up. So what do you think of the, it's been the international break over the weekend, what do you think of the weekend as a whole, Bryce, start with you? It's been quite significant, really. I think a few results, especially with Germany and England
1: results, I think it's been massive and ones that kind of unprecedented, really.
2: Oh.: Yeah, another international break that I suppose us on the panel here don't really look forward to because we, uh, we love the domestic football, but, you know, you have to get through it and uh, watch a few games.
0: Do you think there's been too many international breaks since the World Cup? It's the second one since the World Cup ended? From Seems a player's like perspective, it. Alex, and you're a player. What
2: do you think? Uh, yeah, they, they do come fast, on, and There's a quick turnaround and um, sometimes for clubs, they can get momentum and pick up results in the league and then having that international break um, so soon can, uh, can stop momentum. Bryce?
1: Yeah, I mean, no manager at a club football loves international breaks. I think everyone knows that. Fans don't really rate it either. So I think it's been another one with, I mean, a few players picked up injuries for certain clubs. And, yep. you know, it's just, I mean, it feels like it's the second break in a month. And mm. with World Cup, I mean, not that far away. I mean, it, was, it seems like we've had a lot of international football.
0: Yeah, you mentioned the injuries there, and we'll get onto that a little bit later on. But we'll start with the UEFA Nations League match last night between Germany and France. And it continues to be a tumultuous time for the 2014 World Cup winners and their coach, Yogi Love. Now, two goals to Antoine Griezmann, cancelled out a Tony Cruz penalty and secured the win for France, making it six losses in the last ten for Germany in all competitions. Bryce, what do you think of this result as, look, you, look the, as you look at the highlights?
1: Look, that's probably the only moment he's nearly got to that, Larice, You think he could have got a hand on that, surely. But um, I just feel like... It's so uncharacteristic of Germany, in the one we've seen over the past decade or so with their you know, international dominance. They're inefficient, a word I
0: never would use to describe German football. So, it's, yeah, it's just a bit wild at the moment. Al, what do you reckon is it, obviously there's a lot of talk about Jogi Lov, and we're going to get some comments around that, but do you think, what do you think of Germany's situation coming out of the World Cup?
2: Look, he's a manager with a great, great record, and, and he's obviously won the World Cup, so he was doing something right. And in Germany, still, they play a, an attractive style of football where they keep, keep possession of the ball, and we saw that throughout the World Cup, but they're obviously just not getting results, and, and ultimately that's what, that's what it all comes down to.
0: And it seems these days that's obviously the more important thing uh, in world football. Um, just a few stats, and obviously, Lowe's come out publicly and said, or Love's come out publicly and said he's admitted to feeling the pressure. This is Germany's worst run for 18 years, their sixth defeat for 2018, the first time ever that they've had yeah. that many defeats in a calendar year. They've got one point from three games in the UEFA Nations League, um, and they're bottom of Group A facing relegation. Rice, what do you think, are they going to get out of this, or are they going to get out of this predicament they're in, in the UEFA Nations League?
1: So it, it seems a bit grim for them, they're in, in danger of getting relegated from that group now, and I just feel, I mean, in the aftermath of that Netherlands defeat as well, which was the biggest defeat they've ever had at the hands of their neighbours in, the Netherlands 3-0. So I just think, in isolation, this result isn't too bad. I mean, France are the World Cup champions. They just won a couple of months ago the World Cup. But it's just not scoring either. Like They got that one and it was a penal as well that they needed. So just they don't have any scoring
0: form. They're not producing this kind of centre forwards that they used to with Miroslav closer. Hmm. All right, let's get to some reaction. and ex millwall Leicester City, Tottenham and Fulham keeper, Casey Keller, had this to say on ESPN after their defeat to the Netherlands a few days ago. I think so often you see a team that has had as much success as Germany had had in a, in, a, in a length of time. And nobody comes in to change anything, to freshen it up, to keep it going. Even if you looked at this side, we were talking about this game when, it, when the side was announced.
2: Mm-hmm. What has Yogi Love changed from the team that, that, that did so poorly in the World Cup? It's really the same squad at some
0: stage you gotta make some changes and there's obviously some reasons why they're not getting the results and something's gotta change and if Yogi Love doesn't change it quickly it's gonna be
2: him that's gonna be the person. to change
0: now Alex you're notorious for backing managers here and you mentioned it just before do you agree or disagree with Keller in the sense that it's time for Yogi Love to be removed from Germany's head coaching role?
2: Uh, Like I said before I mean Yogi's got bags of success under his belt um, but we know in modern football, um, like the upkeep and demand of success is always there and always present. So if he doesn't keep up the results and he keeps getting on the end of losses, then something might have to give. Do you think it's fair that the
0: media is attacking him in the way they are and calling for his head after winning the World Cup four years ago? Do you want to see more faith?
2: Look, in football, I, personally, I'd like to see a lot more trust and a lot more um, backing. With managers, but unfortunately, um, that just doesn't happen. So, uh, yeah, look, I can see him probably getting shipped out if he if it continues the way it's going. Bryce, do you agree? Yeah, look, I think he's got a. He, whenever he leaves, he's got
1: a huge legacy that he's created. Obviously, winning that 2014 World Cup and winning a couple of Euros with him, he's done fantastically for them. But it just, I think it might be getting to that point for him. It might be at breaking point. And in international football and club football, managers don't usually last this long without you know getting kicked so I hope he stays because he's done so well but yeah it seems a bit on the ice
0: the out biggest now. thing is I don't think they're um, progressing or the, the young players he's bringing through they're not progressing as well as they should have and uh, some reports are saying that the young players actually aren't fully backing the manager I mean yeah. have you read those and what do you he, think about he that? We saw
1: that with Sane not getting picked before the World Cup and he's probably Germany's brightest young talent coming through one player of the season in the Premier League after winning the league with uh, City so and he didn't get picked for the World Cup and it kind of him in, in the end in the World Cup and then going out the group stages. I just think and they're not producing centre-forwards either. I mean, we've talked about they had marks Uth up front who hasn't scored a league goal all season in the Bundesliga starting up top for them, which is a bit alarming. They just don't have that kind of talent up top at the moment, so I think that's where it's breaking down.
0: What do you make of uh, Werner leading the line as well? Not a fan?
1: Just, he's not clinical enough, I don't think. He's got the pace, to, pace for days and he gets in behind all the time, but he just doesn't finish finish enough and I mean in a side that doesn't have that kind of attacking talent he needs to be that man I just don't think he's the bloke for it.
0: Yeah it's been a really um, tough few months especially with all the revolt with Mesut and all that sort of stuff clearly Germany's uh, in a bit of strife we'll have to wait and see what happens there but we'll move to England now and their huge result on Monday night overcoming Spain three goals to two in the UEFA Nations League with two goals to Raheem Sterling can you believe it and one to Marcus Rashford Now, what did you make of this result? This is one of the bigger results England have had as you look at the highlights here. Uh, In recent memory, Alex, you're an Englishman. What do you think? That's a fantastic
2: result, isn't it? I'm uh, over the moon that England obviously beat Spain and the way they beat them as well. um, Gareth Southgate's played with a 4-4-2 formation. I know in the World Cup he played five at the back, um, but he's obviously opted for a change and he felt that was the right decision in this game and it's paid off. the first goal uh, that Raheem Sterling scored, the the build-up play from that was was sensational. It was it was actually a bit like Spain, how Spain probably have played in recent years. Um, so to do it do it on the on, on their turf um, in the way they did was great.
0: Yes, this is Spain's first home loss since June 2003. These were Raheem Sterling's first goals for his country since October 2015 versus Estonia. So many young players, Bryce, in this squad for England. Um, yeah. There's so much talk about the excitement around this squad. What do you make of this result, especially being 3-0 up at halftime? Yeah, I think that's what makes this result so significant
1: for them. It's the youngest team that they've fielded this century. And you've got players that have come under widespread criticism in Raheem Sterling and Rashford getting the job done and getting goals for them. It was Sterling's first goal in about three years and then the first time that England had scored in Spain since '87 when Lineker bagged four. So, I mean, it's a huge result and very significant. And I think it's... What Gareth Southgate needed as well is because there are a bit, few question marks over the opposition they had in the World Cup, even though they got the wins and made the semis. But he's got a big scalp now in Spain and they, Spain were really the
0: informed country in world football right now. Massive result. Yeah, and Gareth Southgate, debut, Jadon Sancho um, in their first game of the international break against Croatia. And he was the first player born in the post-millennium to debut for England. So that's another big coup. But for some more reaction, here's what legendary commentator John Champion had to say on ESPN. Uh, And I'm pleasantly surprised. Uh, I'm also quite pleased for Gareth Southgate, who's been telling us that these young players, that some of us have questioned whether they're ready for a a chance. You know, he had six uncapped players in his squad for these games against Croatia and Spain, and a smattering of those have now got a taste and have shown that they can produce. Uh, I just think it's, if that's a glimpse of the future, it's an exciting future. You agree with those comments, Bryce? Definitely. I think you've got players coming through with Sterling
1: and Rashford and Sancho coming on now. You've got Joe Gomez at centre-half now, a really young player. He went from Charlton to Liverpool. It's a young squad and Southgate's trusting him and he's reaping the rewards for that. So yeah, huge future ahead, I feel.
0: What's the goal, Alex, from a fan's perspective, do you think England need to achieve in the coming months and maybe next year?
2: Well, we obviously saw him get to the the semi-finals of the World Cup, which was a great achievement for them. And and doing so with such a youthful squad was, was really good to see. And I think that's it, just building on the squads and, and bringing the young players through is really important. Um, and obviously that'll reap its rewards in the long run, as we've seen with teams like Spain and Germany, who've brought players through um, and then they've gone on to win major trophies.
0: Alright, let's turn our attention to the Socceroos now, who beat Kuwait 4-0 on Tuesday, thanks to an own goal from Khalid Mohammed, and goals to Apostolos Giannou, Tommy Rogic and Awe Mabil. Now, I guess the biggest storyline out of this match, Bryce, was the debuts of two Sudanese refugees and best friends off the pitch, where my Bill and Thomas Deng Run us through their background.
1: Yeah, I mean, the lads, are, they're South Sudanese refugees, and they, they grew up together in the northern suburbs of Adelaide. So it's, it's, it's a real special story, and... Um, you know, Mabil coming on for his international debut and getting a goal with um, Juric giving him an assist and then his mate Thomas Deng was first on the scene to celebrate with him to give it large so I thought that was fantastic to see yep. and um, nah, it's just it's a real feel good moment and uh, makes footy seem like it's more than just footy sometimes so it was really
0: good. I got a quote here from Deng after the match and he said I told him he was going to score before the game, I'm very happy for him that it came off so we grew up together, nine years ago we were playing in the park together and we were at the same school now, you played with one of them, I believe. you played with Mobile? Oh, you've played Dan, Deng, yeah, Deng, sorry. Against Thomas Deng. What was, what's Dan like as a player? Yeah, he's a good
2: player. Um, really good on the ball, real confident, um, centre half. Plays in the same position as me. So, um, yeah, it's, it's great to see a, a young lad like himself. And, and you know, coming from, from where he's come from, it's, uh, it's really good. It's great.
0: What do you make of the result from Australia's perspective? I guess the thing was Australia's momentum after the World Cup's been questioned, and obviously Graham Arnold coming in and a new coach. How is he going to get that momentum? Do you think this win solidifies that, or what do you reckon? I think it's a bit of a nothing result. and I mean, it's it's a friendly, and it's in Q8.
1: It's not exactly a huge opposition. I don't think we can read into it too much, and it's Arnold's first game in charge, obviously. So, But it is the first time Socceroos have won in Q8. So, I mean, it's significant in that way, but I feel like... We can't read into this result too much, but it's always promising to get a, get a result in the young lads scoring. So that's always good because Giannu getting his first international
0: goal as well is massive. I thought the, the starting lineup featured a lot of the same players that the World Cup team had. Obviously Yednak and Kay who aren't in the squad anymore, um, which was encouraging to see and it sort of seems like Arnold's using the same nucleus from Bert van Marwijk's team in the World Cup for his, uh, his squads going forward. But I suppose the biggest name in Australia now is Daniel Azani. Having yeah. a bit of a tough time over at Celtic. What do you think? Is that was that a good move for him? He's not really getting the minutes over there, is he? Look, on paper, you've got Brendan Rodgers, who's been known to really produce good young players and help them out,
1: being in the youth setup at Chelsea before, um, and then obviously coming to Liverpool and all that. But just, it seemed like a great move for him, and then he got over there, didn't make the 43-man Europa League squad, and now he hasn't hasn't really cracked into the first team. I think it's still early doors. Um, Celtic aren't really doing too well, so maybe over the next a month or so you can see him break in, but yeah, it's it's not a fantastic start to his career in Scotland.
0: Alex, as a player, I suppose you've been on loans to clubs and that sort of thing, and you've played at Macclesfield where you've got a lot of games. Um, Going to a club and expecting to get minutes, have you ever come across a player that maybe has gone to a club and didn't get the minutes that they wanted at their loan club?
2: Um, I think with the Arzani situation, you can't read too much into it um, because you don't know the ins and outs um, and the whole story behind it. Um, I remember when I first went to Macclesfield and I went there and I wasn't in favour to begin with and, and you know you've got you to gotta knuckle down and work hard and, and break into the squad so it does take time sometimes and obviously him travelling over to, to Scotland having to change cultures and things like that and getting getting used to his new surroundings it'll be tough for a young lad like himself but he's got bags of potential when I played against him in the A League he's fantastic he's such a good good player so Um, I'm sure I've I've got the confidence in him that he'll he'll kick on at Celtic for sure
0: I guess the biggest thing, a lot's been made of his arrogance, uh, or not his arrogance but his confidence I guess Um, he's a confident player how he handles this sort of situation where he's not getting minutes when he probably expected to and everyone wants him to, uh, will be a real test and we'll have to see how that sort of Shapes him going forward, don't you think, Bryce?
1: Yeah, I mean we've we've spoken to Neil Kilkenny before about his confidence, and because he's worked with him over at City a few years ago, and just it's that confidence that you need to be at that elite level. It's not that ar- it's like that borderline arrogance confidence that, that a lot of players, especially as wingers and forwards, kind of have. But I've got full faith that he's still going to be a, a great talent for Australia.
0: All right, let's move to the Premier League now, and first up, let's look at Eden Hazard. We spoke about his comments on wanting to leave Chelsea in last week's episode, and he has only furthered those comments. Also on international duty with Belgium, check out these comments from a few days ago.
1: So based on how you're playing right now and maybe the last
0: three months. Off, yeah.
1: Are the you the best player in the world, world at
0: the moment? <laughs> We're going our way again and again. To play nations. Cup again
1: <laughs> yes. the most senseless honest, honest. I said yes Canada, just, the just the world before, world.
0: so I say yes to you. Football.
1: And can you improve?
0: Of course. We can always improve in football. Uh, we can score more goals. More assists, yes, uh, I think, I mean, the team, you know, is helping me a lot also, so, uh, yeah, I can improve for sure.
1: To win the Ballon d'Or, the last 10 years has shown, you, you, you have to play in Spain, don't you?
0: That's why I want to go, maybe. In January? No. Very interesting comments. It's another sort of come and get me call uh, from Eden Hazard. We mentioned that last week. Um, he also said this in a Belgium newspaper. If I'm asked about one coach with whom I want to work with again, then I say Mourinho. Mourinho's image of an extremely defensive coach isn't completely right. So Hazard's talking about other managers and other clubs consistently now. He's going to leave at the end of the year, isn't he? It's quite provocative. You don't really,
1: as a manager, you'd be a bit peeved at that. But I mean, he is one of the best talents in the world right now so i mean he's got every right to you know shop himself and do what he wants but it's just it's a bit weird but he is a guy who doesn't take himself too seriously
0: what do you think alex about a player publicly i mean have you ever been around this situation where a player wants to leave um, in such a public manner i mean hazard obviously is the best player in the world at the moment so they say um but yeah what do you think
2: i think um He'll just do the talking on the pitch, and I mean, he's obviously putting in performances and he week can back in, week it up out. Pitch, he can. He's, he's, he's scoring goals now, and he's he's providing assists week in, week out. Um, and I think that's that's his ammunition in a sense, you know, to, to put himself in the shop window like like any other player. Um, and when you're the best in the world, you're obviously attracting the best clubs, and and then you can speak out more so about about going to these clubs. Yeah, but
1: if, if I'm a fan, if I'm a Chelsea fan, I'd be, yeah, not too no. stoked with him right now. It's just kind of unnecessary, yeah. I feel, the level he's going to with how much he's kind of entertaining those questions yeah. when journalists are asking. So yeah. Yeah, I'd be a bit annoyed
0: if I was a Chelsea fan. It just right reminds now. me of Newcastle back in the day. Like, all the players, all, when the French Revolution happened, all the all <laughs> the players in the 2012 years, all the players sort of publicly were coming out and declaring in subtle ways that they wanted to leave. Like, Yohan Kabad did it and Ronaldo's been doing it for years as well, sort of publicly saying things yeah. to get the wheels in motion, and yeah. I guess Ronaldo got his reward this summer, or this winter.
1: Yeah, but it's more understandable when you're at a club like Newcastle that is, you know, in that relegation battle week um, year in, year out. But then you've got Chelsea, who are equal top at yeah, the moment, on 20 points with City and Liverpool, and he's doing, making these comments when Sarri's done a great job so far. So I think
0: it's a bit rich, really, yeah. Do Real Madrid need him,
2: Alex? Um, I don't know whether it's a case of them needing Eden Hazard, you could argue whether they needed Gareth Bale when they had Cristiano Ronaldo already, but when they've got as much money as they do, they can sign anyone they want, and like I said earlier, the biggest clubs attract the biggest players, so why wouldn't you want him?
1: Yeah, and Real Madrid—it's all—it's never just a footballing question; it's a marketing question with exactly, them as well, yeah. with the Galacticos and how long that's been going on. They always want to have the best and most, you know, prolific players known in the media as well. So. Yeah, mean,
2: you've got to remember as well—it's still a business, so they've, exactly. there's, there's revenue to make as well with with shirt sales and all the other merchandise they can they can reap off him. Yeah,
1: Paris wants to count that cash. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: he does very much so. Uh, now let's look at some
0: Liverpool news, and they have probably been the most the unluckiest team. Uh, this international break. Now get this, Mohamed Salah, Virgil van Dijk, Sadio Mane and Naby Keita have all returned from international duty nursing fresh injuries. Now, these are four starters, Bryce. These are four incredibly important players, as you see Salah nursing his injury last weekend. What on earth has gone on here?
1: Yeah, look, not too stoked with this, to be honest with you. This is why I don't like international breaks for the most part, not just because the football isn't as nice as the Premier League, but you get your players from your club (laughs) injured. Um, I think... Milner being injured just before this yep. international break kind of compounds that problem. But I just think uh, Klopp might have put a witch's curse on the whole United Nations League by calling it the most you know useless competition in world football. Seems so, that way, doesn't it? Yeah, I think yep. he's, he's really done a number there. But yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, they've got, got some depth this season with Shakiri coming off the bench. You've got Fabinho still to come yep. on. So hopefully they can, you know, be okay with this, but
0: it's it's not a very, very uh, happy time. Well, I was going to ask, obviously, we spoke about their depth over this season. Do you think they have enough depth to cope with potentially four outs for this weekend?
1: I don't think so, just because of how significant they're players are to the squad when you've got Salah who's our best player and you've got Kater who's been the midfield engine and Milner another engine in midfield so I think it's key position players as well so that's the worry um, but I mean only time can tell Fabinho's no slouch, is no slouch so we're interested to see how we cope with that and hopefully it gives a chance for some of the younger lads to come on like Solanke who we mm-hmm. haven't seen for a while who won um, the Golden Boy Award yep. after winning the World Cup with the 20s
0: I think it was with England. Well I guess I Fabinho got. and Shaqiri haven't really played at all this year and they were sort of big money moves in the off season. That concludes us here for episode 11 of series 2 of the Shooting Czar's podcast, this time from a TV studio. Thank you, Bryce and Alex, for being here. I know it's a different setting. And, Alex, just a quick word it's Perth Glory's first game this weekend. I know you're super excited for that.
2: Yep, Sunday this week, 4 o'clock at Nib Stadium. We've got Western Sydney Wanderers, so uh, everyone's buzzing Too to get this season. Season. It has, it's been very long, but we're buzzing to get weeks. it. Yeah, 18 weeks yeah, now, yeah. so we're buzzing to get it on the way. It's, uh, yeah, it's great.
0: Very good. Make sure you follow us on Twitter and Instagram if you haven't already and subscribe to us on iTunes as well. Any feedback you have for us is much, much appreciated. I'm Stuart Marshall with Bryce Conway and Alex Grant. We'll be back in our usual format next week. Here comes Alan Shearer. It's Shearer for Newcastle!